Score Tracks on SFM with John Gerica. With John Gerica. Saturdays, 7 p.m. till 10 p.m. You're with SAFM, it's Sport Track, John with Sport Tracks, John with you. With the next, by the way. John with you through to all ten o'clock today. Ben is producing, Sly is making sure the music sounds good, cool chicks at home, making sure the internet is working well. Let's talk to cricket I'm gonna read everything here. Sports broadcaster, MC, speaker, dedicated to women's cricket and also other women's sports. Natalie Jamanis, how are you? Uh, I'm good, thanks, John. How are you doing? You know, I, I browse through my radio channels, and number three is the channel that you're always on giving us cricket commentary. And every time I go there, I go, there's no cricket commentary. <laughs> it's pretty frustrating at the moment, isn't it? It's, it's, I suppose it's that feeling of there's no live sport, it's, and you can't wait for it to come back. It's going to be coming back in some parts of the world, um, but I can't wait for it to obviously be in full swing. I see Australia planning very, very soon, actually. Yeah, Australia. I mean, England are playing in July. They will be playing against the West Indies in, in a men's test match, which is uh, really great to, to, to know that they've eventually been able to, to get something together for their season because, of course, this is their summer season and this is their money spinner as well. So for the ECB, it's really good news and hopefully they'll be able to get something back from the season. Australia, obviously, are looking to push forward. They're, they're trying to make some plans. New Zealand look well-placed, obviously, to, to be going forward with some of their plans too. So Hopefully, we will have uh, some sort of normalcy soon. One of the words of 2020 is going to be bio-bubble. It's a new thing. We're going to put cricketers into (laughs) bio-bubbles. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting how they do that. There's lots of things they have to consider, uh, not least the shining of the ball. Um, how are they going to do that? <laughs> that, that they've spoken about it. They've spoken about um, maybe uh, having different balls, having obviously one dedicated person to shine it, but you're not allowed to use spit, but you could probably use artificial substances so there's a lot that you have they have to consider not just about physical distancing and not having people at the venue mm. there's other things within the sport itself they have to consider uh, i don't think we've spoken since the women's cricket world cup what was that like for you Oh, it was an incredible experience for, for so many reasons. One, to be in Australia where um, it has such a wonderful history of women's cricket and they're, they're huge supporters of women's cricket and certainly there's no doubt that Australia are leaps and bounds ahead of any other country when it comes to uh, putting money into women's cricket and making sure it should be. Um, they're they're in a, a wonderful place at the moment in terms of the investment that they've put in and they're starting to see the fruits of that. To have... 86,174 people hmm. at the MG for a final was something very, very special. Uh, I don't think anybody who was there that night would, would forget that anytime soon. And the tournament itself was very successful with record crowds. And uh, I think a lot of people grew um, a lot of support for the women's game and, and, and probably a lot of support for the ta- Taiwanese as well. It was the t- <laughs> to have the ta- Taiwan team was something very special. And, and they, they certainly had a lot of fans go their way with their smiles and how they approached the game. I'm still bitter that South Africa was stolen or their loss was stolen against Australia. I'm not happy, Natalie. Not happy. Uh, it, it was-
Yeah, it was a pretty tough one to swallow in some in, in many ways. Um, obviously, if it had rained, then South Africa would have made it to the final. But then, like Dana Fonikic said afterwards, she wanted to be able to to win the match and go into the final because she didn't want anybody to say the only reason South Africa made it there was because of, of the rain and they would never have beaten Australia because they haven't beaten Australia before. Um, and they didn't want that to happen. I get that. They played magnificently well in that semi-final. One or two mistakes might have possibly cost them the game. It was very small margins. Australia had to play very well to beat South Africa. And in the end, uh, it was just a narrow defeat that, who knows, maybe in the future we'll be seeing that team in a final soon. I, I must say, I'm glad you mentioned, Donay, that the attitude after that game from the, the Proteus women was just astounding. You know, they could easily have got quite bitter about it, but they were. You know, it, it was just fantastic to see how positive the South African girls were after that. Yeah, they they are a very positive team, and I think under Dadefani Kek's leadership, they've just gone further and further with regards to the belief they have within themselves because they've proven that they are now one of the top teams. They are no longer just a competitor. They don't just go to compete to series. They don't just go to tournaments just to compete. They go there to win, and they have a genuine chance of winning. They've qualified for the Women's 50 Over World Cup directly. They don't need to go through the qualifying stages. They don't have to go to the qualifying tournament. They've qualified there directly through their ranking and through the Women's Championship and their results. So it's something they've done for the first time and showing that this is a team that's one of the top in the world and it's great to see that that belief is now within them because mm. with that belief, they can do anything. You with SAFM, this is Sport Tracks. We're going to chat Hansi Cronier in a moment. You are listening to Sport Tracks on SAFM. Natalie Jabonis is my guest today. I didn't realize how tall Hansi Cronier was. One nine three, six foot four inches tall. He wasn't a very small man, was he? No, he wasn't a very small man at all. And he also had very broad shoulders too. So <laughs> whenever you saw him at the crease, yeah. he just looked like sort of or like almost like a man mountain kind of thing. You don't realize actually how tall he was mm-hmm. and, and sort of how big he was too. But he had a very crouched stance at the crease. And I don't know if that's something that, that maybe made him look a little bit different at times, but he did crouch down pretty low when he was batting. Okay, let's talk about Hansi Cronier. Um, I, I, I did a somewhere else, I did a little quiz evening and Hansi Cronier was the answer. And I made a joke about how uh, you, you've got to identify Hansi almost as two men. He was the great cricket captain and then he was the not great cricket captain. Can you reconcile that as one man or will he always be seen as two separate individuals? Oh, it's, 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 I think it's something everybody just, well, I would say that's, that's my, everybody grapples with this. Because when many people think about Hansi Cronier, they often smile and can't help it because he was a brilliant captain. When you look at the stats, when you look back on the matches, when you watched it at the time, he was a brilliant captain. He was also a fantastic player. He made his own contributions with both bat ball and in the field. Mm. But then at the same time, when you start looking at what happened and the accepting of bribes and the what he was accused of the match fixing, which he still he did deny. He said he didn't fix matches, but he forecast um, information and he did accept bribes. Bribes. So he said he didn't fix matches. So what what he was accused of, you look at it and then you have to say to yourself, well, does that make a great captain? Because he has done. He was in a position of leadership. Mm. He roped in 
couple of other players into this as well and brought them into it. Young players as well. The likes of Herschel Gibbs at the time was 26 years old. Um, you have to ask, does that make a great captain as well? It's very hard to say with absolute certainty, yes, he was a great captain when he did what he did in the end. From a playing perspective, and you look at what he did on the field, his stats, the number of victories that he had is phenomenal with South Africa. And he nearly led them to a World Cup win as well, with a, a wonderful partnership with Bob Wilmer in 1999. Um, it was very, very close, and, and maybe who knows what could have happened if he had done it. Um, but it's, it's, a very, it's a very tough um, sort of... I don't know if you want to call it a dichotomy, a juxtaposition, the two of them together. Uh, it's hard to, to separate the two and it's hard to put the mm. two together. Because you, know, you look at the great captaincy, as you've said, but how much of that was set up or how much of that was an agreed upon thing? There was the famous test where they agreed to forego their second innings. Uh, or you know, How much of that is, is all planned and makes him look like a great captain? Yeah, well, that's what... I Part, that the test that you referred to in 1999, for example, at Centurion against um, the de declaration of innings and the forfeiting of innings, it was the first time it happened in test cricket for over 100 years, but it has happened domestically. So when they are trying to get some sort of result, these are things that sometimes teams do. So that's not so much necessarily out of the ordinary. It happening in, in, in test cricket, yes. Obviously, this was something that was new and it was different, but there'd been three days of rain and you think, well, why not? Let's get a result out of this. This is a sporting but, way to get something well, out of the game. It's because the bookies needed a yeah. result. Well, now this is the issue, though. You, we obviously didn't know that at the time. Um, the opposing captain, Nasser Hussein, didn't know that at the time <laughs> either. Um, and I think in some ways, maybe he's probably still hurting from it. Actually, what ended up happening? Mm. It's not nice to be the opposing captain on the other side of it. Uh, it's. It, it, I mean, the bookie that was involved, um, uh, Marlon Arenstam was his name at the time. He, you know, he said that he also got some forecasts from Hansi Cronier for the ODI series, which was to come in terms of pitch, weather, and he said all these things were invaluable. He said this at the at the King Commission. So um, then you have to think, well, then how much obviously was this all happening? And it is very difficult to to look and say. Hansi Cronier was with absolute certainty this wonderful captain mm. but at the same time he did get results for South Africa and you can't say that he fixed matches in the, in the sense of throwing matches because he won I think almost 100 out of 140 odd um, ODIs as captain mm. for South Africa and he had a wonderful test record too so it's, it's, such, a, it's, it's such a difficult um, sort of decision to make on Hansi was he a great captain? Wasn't he a great captain? I think every I think people will years to come. When again, when I was doing the quiz, people were saying, "Don't even go there." When you mentioned the bad side about Hansi Cronier, people are still quite, mm. quite adamant that uh, despite all the bad things that he did, being banned from cricket for life is a big thing. He was still a great man. 
it's it's so interesting to hear people's reactions. I've spoken to to people many times about it, um, whether it be a tweet that I put out maybe about the anniversary of his, of his death or whatever the case may be. When a stat comes up about his name too, you know, these these stats are all still there. Mm. That test match, it's, it's all still there. Um, so when these things come up, very often people are, are exactly like that. Don't go there. We don't want to talk about, about the bad side. Don't, don't say anything bad about him either. And that shows you the love that people had for this man. He was loved all over South Africa. I can't imagine too many people who didn't like Hansi before all of this came to yes. light. Many people loved him and he was loved all around the world. And I think people found it very difficult to reconcile the fact that this man that they loved so much was also flawed in a very, very big way. Mm. And I suppose at the end of the day, he was human. And we we kind of do this with sports stars. We The, the top sports stars, we put them on a pedestal and say they can do absolutely no wrong. And sometimes when they do wrong, then all of a sudden there's this huge fall from grace. Other times, there's no way you can get them off that pedestal. They can never do anything wrong. Mm. Um, I mean, some like Tiger Woods, for example. There's people who <laughs> yes. are still absolutely 100% are on his side and mm. love him mm. and say, don't, don't say to you, don't say anything bad about him. He's done nothing wrong. Mm. And they will idolize him and follow him for, for the rest of his career, maybe the rest of his life. Um, so... It's such an interesting relationship that fans have with sports people, but I think it is very important to talk about the flaws because, one, it shows people are human and, and, and we've got to stop thinking that these guys are superheroes and can't do anything wrong. Um, but also, at the same time, if you don't talk about it, it's not something you're ever going to take out of the game. Mm -hmm. You need to find a way to get rid of it. Whether we will or not is a different story, but the only way you get rid of it is if you talk about it. And this week is very important as well. It's for different reasons, but we need to talk about the bad things to make us realize what's going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All you right. have to talk about uh, if if you don't, there's, there's, how how do you get rid of these things? Mm. It was uh, yeah. It it didn't help Hansi uh, and cricket as well. It was when commissions were still a new thing. The King Commission. Uh, it, it, we we have commissions all the time now, but back then that was a thing to see it live on TV. To see him break down crying. Uh, the church getting behind him as well. I think that was very important. The church getting behind him. Do you think there was forgiveness? from the public during that time when you saw him break down? Um, yeah, that's a good question because I can still remember when the story first broke that this was happening and, and he initially denied it. Um, I, I knew very few people that would say, oh, maybe he did do this. Yeah, it was, I, I, it was a lie. Absolutely. Everybody thought this was a lie. There's no way Hansi Krenia did this. And I think it was in within the space of four or five days, he eventually said, um, yes, I did accept bribes. Um, and I did forecast information. I gave people information on matches. Um, and I think even still then, people would have thought, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if this is true. Is he taking the fall for somebody else maybe? Um, I, I think there were still people in denial then. Mm. And that period of time where he admitted to it, it was only a few months until that King Commission. It was a short space of time, and the King Commission didn't take necessarily that long. Um, so it, it, it's, it wasn't the, the longest period of time for people really to deal with what was really a, a bit of grief 
because you're losing mm. a captain, you're losing someone you love very much. And I don't think people had enough time. And I would imagine people were still within the denial phase and still thought that um, that he couldn't have done this. But when they saw him breaking down and crying, I, I would imagine a lot of people would have been on his side and thought, well, look, he is human. Um, he's done something wrong. He's, uh, it's not the end of the world. It's still, at the end of the day, just a cricket match. It's not like he's done something that is mm. irreparable and he can't carry on with the rest of his life. Um, but I guess, I guess watching it live on TV, a lot of people may have grown, their anger may have grown, and also they might have gone the, the complete opposite way. We're going to talk about Hansi's death in a moment. Our guest is Natalie Jumanis. Tweet at SFM Radio and at John Herica. You're with SFM. We've got seven minutes to go. It's the news time. Natalie Jumanis is my guest, a cricket analyst, broadcaster, and a whole host of other things as well. Natalie, you were talking about you know, it was over. Get on with your life. The sad thing was that Hansi couldn't. It was a year later, 2002, that he died. With, I guess all those questions you and I have been talking about for the last 20 minutes died with him. Well, this is the thing. He never really got the opportunity to turn his life around, I would say, in the eyes of the public. Um, I'm sure personally he felt that he got the opportunity to turn his life around. He did say that he was doing that. He had got a new job. Um, he was traveling a little bit as well. Him and his wife had, had spent a lot of time together. Um, I'm sure they'd gone to counseling and they were starting themselves to get the pieces back together. And But did he have the opportunity to turn things around in the eyes of the public? Probably not. If, if you look at some of the cricketers who previously have been given life bans, a lot of those life bans have been overturned or lifted by their own federations. Um, Salim Malik's was was overturned. Uh, Mohamed Azuddin's even was overturned in, in, in 2012. So a lot of those cricketers who got life bans got the opportunity to have them overturned. Mm. Hansi Krini, of course, never had that. Um, because of the time. Uh, he eventually, very sad and tragically, lost his life um, very in a very short space after what had happened. So he never got really an opportunity, one, I would believe, in the eyes of the public and, 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 and the public, um, to be able to say, look, I've turned my life around. This is something I'm deeply regretful for. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to move forward and mm. do some good. And I still believe he could have done a lot of good. It may not have been in cricket. Maybe it might have been in other sport, possibly. But I still believe he could have done some good. Uh, somebody just sent a, a WhatsApp here saying, um, Boo in Port Elizabeth says, Shamila Batoy was at that King Commission putting Hansi in the difficult, in the corner made with the difficult questions. And Shamila Batoy is head of the NPA. So, yeah, little little world that we live in. <laughs> Didn't know that. Uh, okay, so what is the legacy of Hansi Krunier in Twitter speak, Natalie Germanis? Oh, in Twitter speak, uh, legacy of Hansi Krunier. Uh, gosh, I knew you were going to ask this question. <laughs> I knew I was going to grapple with it. Actually, there we go. Funny do, you, do you want two tweets um, to be able to do it? I, I might need, yeah, I might need a thread for this. Um, <laughs> I, I would say the legacy of Hansi Krunier is one. If you work hard, you can achieve the dreams that you wanted to because he did and he was probably destined to do what he's done and his career that he had. But also try and st stay true to what 
stay true to, to your own morals mm. because I think that's what can get you through some really tough times. Being a professional sports person in the public eye is not easy and we shouldn't judge anyone for the mistakes that they make. But stay true to your own morals and your own truth. Okay, speaking of tough times, uh, cricket in South Africa. A couple of players uh, signing overseas. What's happening with the Colpac? Are we going to see cricket this summer locally? Uh, what, what's, what's the plan of action? Do you know? Well, I know that they're looking at obviously the season and, and probably possibly delaying it slightly. Um, the aim is to in, in level three um, lockdown regulations. They're allowed to start training, yeah. which is great because they obviously need to do that. Um, they will be having the Cricket South Africa Awards coming up this week too. It's all going to be online, um, which is going to be interesting, something a little bit different. Um, but question is whether or not the India Tour will go ahead. That's in August. That's three T20 internationals. And if that does go ahead, it gives them an opportunity to test things out and see how it works. If they can do that successfully, then they should be able to, to move on to the rest of the season for, for both male and female cricketers. It, it's a lot of money. When you talk of an India tour, that's that's massive. Yeah, it is a lot of money um, because of the, the eyes that are on it, and you can't deny that. It's always going to be. Um, those are, are obviously big money spinners, and we know that T20 internationals, ODIs, get a lot of eyes on it. You've got a lot of people watching, um, and, and, and it is important. And at the end of the day, you can't you can't get around the fact that you need money to run a professional sport and you need money to to, to run it well. So, um, Cricket South Africa have had their financial troubles for the last few years and they have been struggling. So, money coming in is important, and we've seen that with all boards around the world. All are struggling at the moment and all are are, are worried. The the Australian uh, cricket board has just announced that they're going to be losing millions over the next couple of years because of the the pandemic and they they in grapples with the Australian Cricketers Association as well as to what's going to be happening and the Australian Cricketers Association is not happy with their forecast but it it is a reality we have to face that this is going to be some really tough times ahead of the the next couple of years and uh, it's possible that some boards are going to struggle a lot more than others Uh, Are South Africa going to go to the West Indies? Oh, it's a good, that's a good question because the, the, I suppose you have to. It depends on where where we are. Are we allowed to travel foreign, foreign, go to foreign countries? Um, that's going to be very difficult logistically. It uh, depends on the regulations, obviously within the Caribbean as well, and what they are going to do. They're allowing their players to go to England now mm. for the test matches, but three of their players have pulled out and said, sorry, we don't want to do this travel because we don't know where we're going to be in terms of coming back, in terms of quarantine and two weeks away from the family and all these things. So this is something that also that needs to be considered by Cricket South Africa and obviously the West Indies Cricket Board. Unfortunately, uh, the women's team couldn't travel. They were supposed yeah. to be there already and, and they, they couldn't travel. That was cancelled. You just wanted a holiday in the Caribbean. Well, uh, yeah, I, I'm sad smile, to say, just to say yes. you're possibly going to be on that to us. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty sad. Natalie Jamanis, thank you very much. Hopefully we'll hear you on the radio again soon. Natalie Jamanis with us here on Sport Tracks.